0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Nothing can stop us. Hour one on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick Show. Well, we did get stopped yesterday in the final <laughs> 20 minutes of the show with a power outage. It was like a meteor hit. It was like a movie. I went, what just happened, guys? The whole neighborhood went dark. Traffic lights went out. But we're back and better than ever. Front row is here. Fritzy's still joining us. Via remote, you can join us in a variety of ways. Dial us up, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. We say good morning to Peacock, our streaming partner, and also the great radio affiliates around the country, including those on Fox Sports Radio, iHeart Radio. We have a, a garage sale or a tag sale, depending what part of the country you live in. You have a garage sale or a tag sale or a yard sale. Growing up, we had a yard sale in Ohio. Find a lot of tag sales up in the
1: Northeast. Yes, Paul? In Chicago, I remember garage sale being used. I never heard yard sale yeah. tag sale. Yeah. yeah, we had a yard sale. Not that we
0: had one. We wow. went to yard sales to get things growing up. But we have a garage sale going on right now or a yard sale or a tag sale. We're cleaning out the warehouse. We have 30 different T-shirts marked 50% off at danpatrick.com. Today only, danpatrick.com. This program brought to you by Impeller. Empower your investment portfolio with opportunities in Puerto Rico. Impeller, a new online tool that connects investors with innovative projects on the island. Available now. Impeller, your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico. Learn more at investpr.org slash impeller. We will talk to the Cowboy reporter, NFL reporter, Ed Werder. He will join us coming up in about 15 minutes. More on what's going on with the Lakers or could be going on with the Lakers. And is Frank Vogel once again coaching for his future tonight against the Pacers? That's a tune in factor. Hey, tune in and see if Frank Vogel gets uh, through the game without getting fired here. Can't wait for the postgame news conference. Pacers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Bucks, I'll sample that, and my Cavs take on the Chicago Bulls. 76ers, I think, got a trade offer. I don't know if it's worth, you know, sometimes when you make an offer on a house or somebody makes an offer on your house and then you don't even respond, it's like it's not even worth responding to you, but, you know, you're going to get some teams that are going to go, hey, how about this? Hey, you want to move Ben Simmons? We'll give you this. I found out yesterday that uh, I'm curious if the Nets would be willing to trade James Harden to Philadelphia. And I talked to an NBA source who works for the NBA office. And he said, are you hearing anything about Harden for Ben Simmons? And he said, no. And uh, I said, uh, it feels like KD's injury might keep him out till after the All-Star break. And my source said, yes that this might be a little bit worse than uh, the Nets are leading on. Not that it's serious enough to shut him down. It's just they're not going to try to rush him back prior to the All-Star break, be after the All-Star break. But it was, I think, four to six weeks with that injury there. But that's all I have for you, NBA-wise. But uh, trade deadline coming up, and we'll see. You know, normally you just get these, you know, these trades that happen. You go, wait, who's Bryn Forbes? And he got traded. Like, it feels like Evan Fournier gets traded just about every year at the trade deadline. Like, there's just certain players where you go, you know, like, bull, bull. He was going to get traded to one team, and then that didn't happen, and he got traded, I think, to another team. You rarely get those – you know, we would always build this up, hey, trade deadline, I'm hearing, you know. How about a countdown clock? Sources close to me, tell me. And then you go, uh, what happened at the trade deadline? Uh, Evan Fournier and uh, Bryn Forbes got traded, but – We'll uh, talk to Sam Amick. He uh, writes for The Athletic. He's been covering the Lakers situation and came out with the report that Frank Vogel was actually coaching for his job on Monday night. And they got that win. I'm guessing he's still coaching for his job tonight against the Pacers. And then you got a long road trip coming up. I get, if you're going to fire him, firing. I mean, he's not Red Arbach here. He's not Greg Popovich. He's not Phil Jackson here. But be fair to him. You gave him a roster and you go, hey, I can have the greatest chef in the world. And if I give him, you know, spam and I go, hey, can you create a masterpiece here? You know, the Lakers are spam, you know, serviceable. Uh, You can dress it up a little bit. It's still spam. But, you know, that's where I can't see what's happening with Frank Vogel that Is it going to change this team dramatically? No. Frank Vogel's known as a defensive-minded head coach. In Orlando, he was a very good defensive coach. Well, he's got a team that doesn't play defense. I don't know if they can or they just don't want to. Nobody wants – everybody, I think, was uh, on board and saying, what are you doing bringing in Russell Westbrook? Well, LeBron wanted that to happen. If LeBron doesn't want Frank Vogel, then Frank Vogel's gone. I'm going to guess he's got that power. If he had the power to get Russell Westbrook in, is, is that going to change, you know, the the rotations that Frank Vogel has and we get caught up in who's playing center? Well, DeAndre Jordan can't play and Dwight Howard can't play not at a high level. And you know, you're going to try to put them in the lineup. It's just a mess when you watch him play because you still have LeBron playing at a high level. Anthony Davis, this is who Anthony Davis is. He can give you Giannis-type numbers, and then he disappears, or he gets injured, and then you got Russ. I mean, Russ giveth and taketh away like no other player because he can beat you, and he can beat the Lakers. But he has taken away more than he's been giving. But, uh, we'll have more on that uh, coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at show. First round of the playoffs concluded Monday night, so now we have eight teams. Now, it's not a level playing field because there are two teams left that don't have elite quarterbacks, the Titans and the 49ers. Both teams can rush the quarterback. They can run the football, and that's great for the regular season. That might make it difficult to score enough points when you're facing Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers. Those will be the matchups for those respective teams. But the Niners and Titans have talented rosters, and these are the kind of teams where, I mean, the Niners are very physical. And that's the type of team that, that can travel. You know, when you run the football, you get after the passer. I don't know if Bosa is going to be healthy enough. And you got the Jimmy G factor. But can you win a Super Bowl without a top-tier quarterback? No, it's happened before, of course. Nick Foles did it. You know, Peyton Manning led the Broncos to a win over the Panthers. Uh, Jimmy Grapple almost did it. So it can be done, but it's really hard to have a quarterback who's not an elite quarterback to string together three consecutive wins. And that's what we'll be asking those quarterbacks with the Titans and the 49ers.
1: Yeah, Paul. That is called the legend of Nick Foles, where you beat Tom Brady in a shootout in the Super Bowl, but you're not even close to a Hall of Famer. You you made like one pro. The legend of Nick Foles is being that kind of quarterback.
0: And we were also wondering the teams that have already bowed out of the playoffs. Who has the best chance of advancing next year? Advancing to where, well, you get past the first round. You get past your first game. Because the Raiders, if you look at the Raiders, I, I love the talent they have. You know, Carr, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Max Crosby, Ngakwe. Like, they have some talent there. They haven't drafted that well. Now Mike Mayock's out. Your coach, you're probably getting a new one. But you're still playing the Chargers and the Chiefs, and Denver's going to get better. like Denver's sneaky. I think Denver is now you got to get your quarterback, get your quarterback. Denver is a team that can be a a playoff team next year. Yeah, Seaton. It's like you just add a couple pieces with the Raiders. Yeah, but I don't know what you're able to get. the let's start with the coach. Do you want to keep Derek Carr and you play in a tough division? The Patriots, okay? Are the Patriots going to be good enough to get to the Buffalo Bills level next year? You got unrestricted free agents like J.C. Jackson, who's been very good. Uh, Deontay Hightower, you're going to keep them. And do you have enough offense here to keep up with the Buffalo Bills? The Eagles. The Eagles have three first-round picks. I guess that makes it a little easier to get to the playoffs, and you're in the NFC East, and are you sold on Jalen Hurts? Dallas Cowboys, this was supposed to be your year. And you're probably gonna lose Kellen Moore and or Dan Quinn. You're offensive and defensive coordinators, and you have no salary cap room. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to probably call on some veteran contracts here and say we're not gonna we're not gonna re sign you. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh It may not matter who's quarterbacking because the Bengals, Bengals are there. Uh, I expect the Ravens to rebound and the Browns can't be worse than what they were. Pittsburgh without Ben. I mean, you can get an upgrade there, but the question is, who are you going to get? Mason Rudolph is not your answer. Then you have the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury came out and said, well, we didn't have playoff experience. Well, did the Bengals? Bengals had less playoff experience. So I don't buy that. Are you sold on Cliff Kingsbury? I'd start with that. You got an MVP candidate in Kyler Murray, but he struggled there. The defense was not good this, the uh, last seven games of the season, allowing at least 22 points. But you have maybe some turnover in Seattle. The Rams should still be good. And the Niners with Trey Lance, if he lives up to expectations, that could even be an upgrade there. But Arizona's got some questions, and those are tough questions to answer because, you know, I think we gave Kyler Murray a hall pass with that performance. That's one of the worst playoff performances in recent memory for a team and a quarterback. If Baker Mayfield turned in the performance that Kyler Murray did, we would be killing him. Nobody is saying anything about Kyler Murray. It's about Cliff Kingsbury. It's like Dak Prescott didn't play well. Who are we talking about? Mike McCarthy.
1: Yeah, Paul. Imagine if LeBron had a game like that in the NFL playoffs. My gosh. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Unlikely, but you know.
0: Yeah, that's true. Very unlikely to have a game like that in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Who's doing poll question uh, responsibilities today, Paul? I think I got it. Okay. I feel decent about it. Okay.
1: Um, We have one issue. Let me get the poll. An issue. Fritzy wrote one. Hmm. Best quarterback of the remaining playoff teams right now. Like, who's the best quarterback currently playing? Like, how they're playing right now? He put Josh, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. He left off Matthew Stafford. I don't know if that was on purpose or by accident.
0: Well, what do you mean by best quarterback right now? Who's playing the best? Okay, well, Matthew Stafford didn't
1: do anything. Should he be on the list though? He is in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, but it's based on what they're how they're playing now. So, I, Todd, explain this.
2: I left Tannehill, Jimmy G and Stafford off because I don't think they belong on this particular poll. As of this moment, who's playing the best? And I think the other five have a right to be on it. Those three should not be included.
0: But you're putting Matthew Stafford in with Jimmy G and Ryan Tannehill.
2: Unfortunately, he gets lumped in with the other two. I'm not wow. ranking those three, okay. but I think I want to kind of keep it to a top five. And I think Stafford misses that group.
0: Well, by not ranking them, you're ranking them. Right. I kind of am. Uh, so the who's playing the best? I don't I don't know what that means. So like Josh actual... Allen was incredible. Yeah, he, he's winning this one. So is it just one? We're basing this off one game. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the well, po- Josh Allen threw a perfect game against the Patriots. I mean, Josh Allen had one of the great games in playoff history. Patrick Mahomes didn't have a good first quarter, but he did have five touchdowns in about 10 minutes. <laughs> that hasn't happened before. Rodgers didn't play last week. Brady was Brady. And Joe Burrow was, was really good. Really good. Um, so I'd say Josh Allen, just based off... What happened against the Patriots there?
1: We're going to go with the poll basically you created a couple minutes ago. Which losing playoff team mm. will advance further or farther? Not sure which one next year. Mm. Raiders, Patriots, Eagles, Cowboys, Steelers, Cardinals. Okay. Further.
0: All right. All right. Uh, who do I think advances further, farther? Uh, I'll ask Ed Werder that. He covers the Cowboys. Does he think the Cowboys will advance further, farther than anybody on this list? Yes, he
1: Farther is for physical distance. Further is for figurative distance.
0: So this is farther because now this would be further. Further, because it's not actual distance. But it's actual distance next year that they go into the second round of the playoffs. So you're going a you're going a distance of an extra week. But right, so I think that would be figurative distance, wouldn't it? Not like no. actual physical distance would be like the Raiders are going to go two point five miles further than. But you physically Patriots. are going to move into the second round. You're figuratively gonna move into the <laughs> <laughs> Like you you if you win your first round, you have to move on to then go maybe play somebody. Figuratively, yes. <laughs> well, hold on, let me talk to the guy who finished second in his graduating class oh, at six hundred. Yes, no,
2: Seton has it right. We're not talking about a measurement. It's not meters or yards. Then, you know, we're talking about advancing to rounds of the playoffs. To me, I agree with Seton.
0: Will the Cowboys be moving on physically to the second round? They
1: have to physically go somewhere in the second round.
0: Yes. You're moving on to the second round. But there's no ruler involved, (laughs) there's distance. yeah, you you have to physically, let's say that Cowboys won, then they would have to go to Tampa. Physically, you would move on to the second round. They would travel to that area. <laughs> However,
1: figuratively, How it is representing the
0: second. Is this to the new poll question further farther? Oh, no. Because I, <laughs> look, I barely graduated. You know, Paulie and I, with the motto, C's get degrees. Yep. Yeah. Look at how much fun we had and how much fun Todd didn't have. You know, he got straight A's and lived with his mom. Paulie Zero
1: and I, fun. Paulie and I barely got C's. Yes, Paul. Dan, I'm actually more educated than most people because I went to college <laughs> for five and a half years. That's a lot of learning. And we fixed the poll question. Which team's going to do a lot better next year? We, oh, we took so away we took further, further. And we can't do that. You can't ask us. <laughs> Have to you figure.
0: ever done that when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to use a word, then you realize you don't know how to pronounce the word, so you just change the word? Yeah, Punk.
1: I did that like a week ago. I was trying to throw juxtapose in, and I think I had the <laughs> wrong way to use it. I go, you know, if you ju- if you juxta- if you compare the two things, yeah. and the guy goes, yeah, yeah.
0: Did you juxtapose? Juxtapose? Yes. Is that what you did? Let's take a break. Ed Werder will talk about the troubles with the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott issues an apology. Back after this in the Dan Patrick show. And now, a message from Discover. About real rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty. Preferably with something you actually want, something you can actually use. Something like cashback match. Discover matches all the cashback you've earned at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar. Because when it comes to rewards, you can't go wrong with cashback. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This award-nominated program, we don't win them. We get nominated. Mercedes-Benz vans. Now, Mercedes, they win things. Mercedes-Benz vans, built, equipped, engineered to be ready for anything. Sign up for the uh, DP show Sprinter van that's available. Go to danpatrick.com, and you have until February 2nd. You can win the Sprinter van that Seton will be get in, getting into. When is that, a week from Saturday? Or a it... week from Saturday, yeah. All right. Seton's going cross-country, and then you'll be able to uh, win that van. That's the one we're going to give away. Uh, what do you have for me, Paulie?
1: Okay, we posted this yesterday, and we okay. gave a heads-up to Eddie Werder and to uh Eddie, Eddie Werder? Uh, he told me I can call him Eddie years ago.
0: I don't believe I, that I, for I a second.
1: Totally made that up. Okay. Peter Schrager later. Okay, here's a question I posted on the Twitters yesterday. Okay. You can start your NFL team with any three defensive players all time, any combo positions. Okay, It doesn't have to be, you know. The players you pick stay healthy for their entire career, And they're not on one team. No. It's anybody. Anybody, any era, any player, any position. But you get three. And my picks were Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, and Ed Reed. And I got pretty good props for that. Okay. A lot of people pick Deion Sanders as their defensive end. All right. And we got lots of responses.
0: Well, you can't go wrong with Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor. Those are unimpeachable. Especially if Lawrence Taylor is going to stay healthy. That's true. That's true. Well, Ed Werder covered Deion Sanders. Uh, Ed joins us now. Uh, Your three defensive players all time, you get them for their entire careers and they're healthy.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the obvious two and say Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White. And I'm going to go. I thought about Ed Reed, I thought about Deion Sanders, but I'm going to take Charles Woodson because he could play corner and safety. And in addition to intercepting passes, he rushed the quarterback and got sacks at an unusually high rate for a defensive back okay how great was dion dion was great i mean he was he could play offense defense he returned the ball on special teams he was a unusual because he was a defensive player with offensive instincts when he got the ball in his hand and i mean you talk to guys like you know troy aikman who played with him and against him he was legitimately a guy who created the question In the mind of a quarterback as to whether you were willing to challenge him on that side of the field and the funniest thing i remember about dion was kind of toward the end of his career in dallas there was a game on a sunday where peyton manning and the colts and marvin harrison they threw at him an inordinate number of times like 10 times Hmm. and i i had a, a previously scheduled sit down with dion uh that next week and so i asked him about this and he said man I ain't worried. I've been out there on that island longer than Gilligan. (laughs) And he he, he laughed, as you can imagine, and so did I. And as I was leaving the room a few minutes later, having finished the interview, he said, oh, man. And I'm like, I said, what? And he said, I want to save that line for the playoffs. (laughs) He was already thinking of what lines he wanted to use at the Super Bowl week. (laughs) Is Aaron
0: Donald encroaching on Reggie White territory here?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think he's the most dominant defensive player in the league right now and has been for, you know, almost his entire career. So without question, he's the most feared defensive player in the NFL right now. But yeah, that's a great point. You know, I really think of guys who are currently playing and I eliminated all the guys that I never saw myself. So you know, Deacon Jones and guys like that at Island, Night Train Lane, those guys who might have merited consideration from a slightly older person, of which there are not many anymore.
0: When, um, we, when we look at players now, though, with Terrell Davis getting in and, and being injured and having a six-year career, can you be a Hall of Famer after four years, five years?
2: I've never been a Hall of Fame voter, so I don't really know what the cutoff is, but I know that's a major consideration is longevity of career, although they've certainly made concessions not only for players, but even coaches, you know, recently. That was one of the arguments against Jimmy Johnson was that he didn't coach long enough to to bear it. I thought it was a ridiculous argument in his case, and I think for the most part, longevity matters unless a player was just incredibly dominant. Um, and, and that led to championship performances where otherwise they would not have existed. So I think that's why Jimmy Johnson, Terrell Davis get exceptions.
0: But if you like Aaron Donald, you win three defensive players of the year in, let's say, a five year period or J.J. Watt wins three. Like, is, is that enough where the voters are going to go? That's an MVP or uh, that, that's a whole of five.
2: I don't think I don't think those guys are going to have to win Super Bowls like most players would have to do uh, because of the the reason you decided. I mean, to dominate at your position on a team that wasn't good enough to get to a championship, I think says an awful lot about those players, too.
0: The biggest question in Dallas today
2: is what? Well, for a time, how are they going to rebound from this? Um, This was an uh, an epic disaster, even by their standards. Jerry Jones acknowledged as much, you know, after the game, saying that um, he he couldn't remember being more disappointed, that he didn't see this coming, that when you have this collection of talent, you have to win. Um, And they didn't. Uh, Not only did, I mean, this used to be a team that couldn't get to the NFC Championship game, couldn't get out of the divisional round. And this team wins 12 games, has a home game, and can't even get out of the wild card round. They were dominated at home. Only team to lose at home in wild card weekend, super wild card weekend, uh, was the Cowboys.
0: Well, you tweeted this out that you know the Cowboys' win total and point total was inflated by playing against bad teams in their own division, and this caught up Correct. with them. That you almost start to believe, hey, we can go out there and put fifty points. Hey, we got two defensive players who are impactful players. Well, were they impactful when they were playing against substandard teams and that offense? Was it good against substandard teams? Um, and I think we found out what the answer is here.
2: You know, back in the 90s when the Cowboys were a dominant team, if you looked at the NFC East, I mean, you had Joe Gibbs coaching you had you know, Bill Parcells coaching and Lawrence Taylor, Phil Sims, you know, any number of great players, you know, Daryl, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? All of a sudden, Daryl Green, um, Reggie White, all those guys were in that division, and so when you made it through that, that meant something. Like you were ready for anything at that point in the playoffs. And this team went six and zero against the NFC East, the only team in the league that went undefeated in its division. The point differential in those games, the Cowboys were plus one hundred and thirty three. They were six and six, including playoffs against non-division opponents not only not only teams that weren't as good but teams that they didn't know as well and the point differential was just 33 mm. plus 33 in way more games yeah. so and and if you look at it you know they uh, at the end of the season mccarthy talked about you know playing the way they did and trying to create momentum and and uh, offensive confidence in that final game against the eagles while the eagles sat out like 16 starters you know the cowboys scored 51 points and they were rolling into the playoffs and feel but You know, look at what happened to them. They they scored 43 at the time, of season high against Atlanta, went outside the division, lost the next week. They scored uh, 56 against Washington. Uh, That was their new high, went outside the division, lost the next week. And then they scored 51 against the Eagles, went outside the division of the playoffs, and lost. So, yeah, I think they got an inflated sense of self, and they weren't nearly the dominant team that the division made them appear to be.
0: And then you have the coaching situation here. I know that Jerry Jones, I guess, is said that Mike McCarthy is coming back. You're, you're, the two coaches you want to keep, you're probably going to lose, at least one of them, and Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, but you're going to keep Mike McCarthy. Um, do you think that that's how this plays out? You lose both
2: coordinators or just Dan Quinn? Well, it was interesting that right after the game, when Jerry Jones came out of the losing locker room, a place he never expected to be on this particular Sunday. He did walk over to us and I asked him directly about whether he would consider a coaching change under the circumstances. And I fully expected him to flatly shut it down. And he didn't. He said something to the effect of, I don't even want to address it. Oh, like so that you right, asked that right question. Okay. I, of course I did.
0: <laughs> you know, because I, when I heard it, I was like, man, it's really easy. If you ask any owner of a playoff team right now, would they give you a, I don't know. I don't want to address that right now. Now, granted, no, most I, owners I think, don't do interviews, but right. it it felt like it was, hey, I, I can rubber stamp this and move on. And now he kind of left it in the ether there a little bit.
2: Well, and, and let's put it in context. You know, Jerry Jones has been doing this for 30 years, and the first coach he fired was Tom Landry. Um, And he's either hired or fired or bought out every coach they have ever had in the history of the franchise. So he knows the gravity of the question, especially in the circumstances we're talking about, this horrific loss that they've just suffered, which he fully admits. And and he goes on after that answer to basically say, like I I told you, like, we had this incredible collection of talent. In other words, I as a general manager and we as a front office, we gave Mike (laughs) McCarthy this incredibly talented team. And he train wrecked it at the, at the first opportunity in the postseason. So, yeah, I think Jerry knew what he was saying. And now whether they thought about that possibility, oh, you know, for a few hours overnight, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he just wanted to make Mc- McCarthy feel uncomfortable that he wouldn't give him an endorsement in that moment. But and he still really hasn't said yet that he's coming back. It was Stephen Jones who said it yesterday uh, that he absolutely expected McCarthy back. And my understanding is McCarthy's going to speak to the media this afternoon. Uh, out of the star, and I'll be there for that. Um, unless something I say on this show prevents that from <laughs> happening, but but um, but I, I guess I, I yeah, it was, it's, I think the question uh, becomes more legitimate and timely because of what you said. The circumstances of hey, Kellen Moore's interviewing with the Broncos yesterday, he's interviewing with the Vikings and the Dolphins this week, you know, Dan Quinn is probably going to get three or four offers. Um, And do you want to lose this guy as a defensive coordinator who took the worst defense in franchise history and in one year turned it into a great asset that actually outplayed your offense most of the season. So, but I think since he hasn't prevented Dan Quinn from interviewing, I'm assuming he's decided he's going to keep Mike McCarthy and let Dan Quinn go if he has to.
0: He's Ed Werder. He covers the NFL for the mothership, also covers the Cowboys, of course. You know, you start to look at the end of that game. I thought that that, kind of washed away the sins of McCarthy and Dak Prescott in that game, uh, that Dak didn't have a good game. And now it feels like the refs did this to us. And, and you know, that Dak didn't do this to You didn't do anything for the first three quarters. Right. And time management, clock management with Mike McCarthy. We've seen it before. We shouldn't be surprised at any of this. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't buy the, the excuse of, hey, we practice this. Well, if you practice it, you didn't practice this correctly. And it just felt like we're letting Dak Prescott off the hook a little bit, that that was a poor performance.
2: Well, obviously, I think there were a lot of games where what we saw the other day played itself out happened in the Denver loss at home. It happened in the Raider loss at home. Uh, and it happened again against the 49ers, which is for three quarters, the offense does nothing. Yeah, um, And then there's this frantic effort to get, back in the game with some level of success but in none of those games did they ever retake the lead this was a team that never came from behind all season long um, but i don't think it was entirely dak prescott's fault do i think dak in his first year back from this catastrophic injury he suffered last year was the same player no i don't think he was uh he was not the dual threat that he was before that injury against the giants last year but i, I think the, the the most significant problem they have is their offensive line and their inability to create a running game. And, you know, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott had one yard, averaged one yard per rush the other day against the 49ers before first contact, which is the worst uh, in four career playoff games for Zeke. And um, even though they played half the game and Nick Bosa wasn't out there rushing the passer, with a four-man rush, Dak got pressured 20 times and sacked five times. I think the biggest question about this offense is, How come there were so few times when Dak got the ball in the shotgun or got to the top of the drop and let it go because his his first read or his second read was open? Where were those throws? It was constantly him holding the ball deep into the progression, pressure starting to come and then dump it off somewhere. Uh, Why isn't CeeDee Lamb a bigger factor? Why isn't Tony Pollard used differently? I mean, to me, those are the bigger questions. than hey, how come Dak Prescott can't win a playoff game like this?
0: Dak did have an apology, and as soon as I heard the words, I was like, oh, he's going to walk those words back, where he basically was you know, saying, complimenting the, uh, the crowd, the fans. He condoned,
2: right, he condoned it.
0: Yeah, throwing debris at the officials. Uh, but he, I guess he issued a statement yesterday?
2: He did. The, the interesting thing was when, when he said it, um, he thought initially that people were talking about, he didn't see it happen. And so when it was described to him and he was asked about it in his postgame news conference, he thought people were throwing trash at Demarcus Lawrence and other players because some of them uh, were hit with some of the debris. Um, And then when when he so he answered the question and he and he criticized that behavior. But then when it was made clear to him that it was the officials who were the target, he said, you know, something like, well, credit to them then, you know, kind of a thing um, and endorse that. And I think it was out of character for Dak to say that Uh, I think I think he meant what he said in terms of his apology. Uh, I think it was sincere, and he regrets it. Now, whether there's fallout for that for the Cowboys next year as, you know, how games are called early in the season, that remains to be seen. But one of the things that happened to this team late in the year was I believe it probably was Mike McCarthy who basically gave the players um, the excuse for losing that the officials were against them. Like, they were always trying to beat the opposing team and this third element, the officials. And the reality is they were the most penalized team in the NFL all regular season. They're the only team in the NFL, Dan, that had two games where they were assessed 14 penalties. The only team. There were only four such games in the whole league. They had half of them. <laughs> and so for, the, for them to be arguing, we're, are there missed calls? Always against both teams in every game. But the fact that they're claiming that the officials are biased against them to the point that it's detrimental and actually causes them to lose. It's preposterous.
0: And now that the Cowboys are out of the playoffs, what are you going to do? What are you covering now?
2: Oh, there's there's plenty of more uh, Cowboys um, funerals to to eulogize <laughs> um, for me to officiate. Uh, I don't know. Normally, normally I go on and, and cover more playoff games and and put them aside. But in this case, I think there's a little more interest in continuing to. Examine why this happened. Even though you can argue, same outcome they've had for 26 (laughs) consecutive seasons. (laughs) They don't get to a championship game.
0: How many playoff wins have you covered for the Cowboys?
2: A lot, because I cover the '90s teams.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
2: (laughs) So I covered all. I covered the three Super Bowl wins. I covered the the loss in the championship game under Switzer to the 49ers. uh, I guess there have been three or four since. You could say since Aikman's retirement, how many have you covered? And I would say there's what Aikman's or uh, Romo won one, Dax won one. That's it.
0: (laughs) There was no social media the last time they won. There was no Internet the last time they won a Super Bowl, right? It was a better world. Oh, it was. It was. (laughs) Uh, Safe travels, Ed. Thank you. as always great to hear from you, buddy. Thanks for the invite, Dan. That's Ed Werder, ESPN NFL reporter, and of course he uh, covers the Cowboys. Is it an easy job, or is it a tough job? Because there's always drama there. That would be good. If you're a reporter, you always have something there. But then always staying on top of something. When And Ed is a Hall of Famer. But that sources close to, you know, somebody's friends with Jerry or somebody's friends with, like, it's dog-eat-dog in, in markets like that, of getting the person that you can talk to, like with the Lakers. You know? Somebody put out that information about Frank Vogel. Somebody leaked that to the athletic. Like, just having that sort of lifeline there, and that's what you, you work hard for when you cover a team locally. All right, we'll take a break. We got our play of the day up next here, Dan Patrick Show. Mike check. Hey. Mike
1: check. Hey. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one on one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real. I mean, that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Oh my God. The play
0: play. of the day. Oh
1: my God. check this out.
2: Obagi dribbling out front. Trap comes. Obagi left side. Leans in. Kicks to Brown. He'll try a three. He got it! He got it! Christian Brown from downtown. And KU goes up three with 11 seconds to play.
0: That's courtesy of Learfield Sports. Number 7th ranked Jayhawks with the win. Braun finished with 15 points. That is your play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by Mercedes Benz, the sprinter van you could win. Dan Patrick shows ultimate camping rig sweepstakes. To enter, get rules. Go to danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com by February 2nd. Mercedes Benz vans. You know, I can always find a game to watch, and I was flipping around and I was trying to find a game. It was not a good NBA night last night. I tried. I was even watching the Warriors and Klay Thompson, and they sort of went through the motions. They didn't need much against Detroit. Watching college basketball, I'm still trying to ease into college basketball. It's just, there's no there there. You watch and you go, okay, I don't know who's the tune-in player right now. And that's, you know, that always helps when you go, boy, I can't wait to see that matchup. Uh, Those days might be long gone. It feels like after Zion went, and then if you get these, you know, kids coming out of high school right to the NBA, you know, you might not get that tune-in factor that we once had. Now, you know, Zion is a generational type of player because he was already built up on YouTube, and then he got to Duke. We knew he was going to be one and done, but you tuned in to watch, and you got 30 nights, 30 games of Zion Williamson. And it used to be you could have a tune-in factor. You could see certain games, but you couldn't see every game. When Patrick Ewing faced Ralph Sampson, like that was a big deal. When UCLA played Houston in the Astrodome, and it's Elvin Hayes against uh, Lew Alcindor, that was an event. But we don't have that anymore. And you won't have that, hey, you won round one in your freshman year, now round two the second year. You don't have those tune-in factor basketball games now. It doesn't mean there aren't good players. It's just sometimes you like that guy who is the anomaly, the unicorn, and uh, it'll take a while. We'll get to March Madness, and then we'll go. This can act like we know exactly. You know, we've been watching this guy all season long. Man, that team. You know, their bigs are good. They can hit the threes. They make their free throws. Like we'll have it broken down. With uh, we'll be ready for March Madness. That's a little while from now. Yeah, Paul
1: going back to a long long time ago when Ralph Sampson faced Patrick Ewing it was on the cover of sports illustrated it was like a fold out cover they were laying sideways and it's like and it said i'm waiting for you patrick the college basketball issue that's how big these guys were they were on the cover
0: and even when you had you usually that cover for sports illustrated was a big deal who's going to be on the cover who's going to be on the cover now it's just not the same and I I wonder if you get those players who go right to the NBA, what's that going to do for the players who are in college? And it and it feels like if you don't leave after your freshman year, then we start to go, what's 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 wrong with him? Like he's he's not that good, and it's not fair to those players because they may stay for other reasons. Steph Curry stayed an extra year because he weren't he wanted to learn to play the point guard position. That's why he stayed one more year at Davidson. But I I think the the perception is that you're not good enough to play in the NBA. And that's unfair to those who actually want to go to college. <laughs> what a novel approach here. Yeah, I might want to stay in college here just for a little while. I mean, I stayed in college <laughs> a little while, but thats I didn't have any other options there. I think I did five years. Maybe it was four and a half years. But I i had to transfer. I sat out, and then, uh, then I went back. Or at least that's the story I'm sticking <laughs> with, yeah. Uh, What happened? I transferred. I had to sit out. Yeah, Paulie.
1: I didn't even have a master's, and I went five and a half. (laughs) It was just straight undergrad. (laughs) Respect.
0: I'm looking at this cover, Sports Illustrated. It's Ralph and and Patrick, and it says, I'm waiting for you, Patrick. I wonder if Ralph actually said that, because I would never say that to Patrick Ewing. Back then when he was at Georgetown, I'm waiting for you, Patrick. I'd be like, no, don't put that in the headline, because I'm not saying that. I'm not waiting for you, Patrick. Uh, Gus in Los Angeles joins us this morning. Gus, good to talk to you again.
2: Good to speak with you, Mr. Patrick. But, Mr. Patrick, come on. 6 a.m., and I'm hearing you compare my Lakers to Spam? Has that ever <laughs> happened in the history of the world?
0: Well, okay. Has anybody well, ever compared my Lakers to Spam? LeBron is a steak. He is a high-end steak, But it's just not a good meal right now, Gus.
2: I mean, I understand that. I mean, like, look, look, let's be honest here. All right. I'm already having a rough morning. I'm a little hint. I'm at the gym trying to do some curls. because I'm trying to look good for this damn shower of shame. And, you know, then I hear spam. It's like, look, all right, look, then we fire Frank Vogel. All right. We fire Frank Vogel. It's like then the excuses start coming. Say we are able to pull off a great trade, one that we should have done in July, but we had to wait till February to do it. Then the excuse is like, oh, but the team's not really meshing yet. The excuses are going to continue. Mr. Patrick, please tell me, when will this nightmare end?
0: I don't know, because even if you make the change here with Frank Vogel, you still have that roster. Now you can say, hey, maybe you go with a bigger lineup instead of LeBron at the five. When's AD back? You can't trade Russell. I don't know who you're going to get at the trade deadline that magically is going to make you better than Phoenix or Golden State. One more item. We close out hour one, and you can... You can stop and wave to Seton O'Connor as he gets in his Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, the uh, Sprinter van mode 4x4 by Storyteller Overland. As he drives cross-country, you can stand outside your house and wave to Seton O'Connor. Hey, there he goes. Hey! Hey, there's the French kid driving. There's Seton. He's got his shirt off.
1: Hey, first time long time, 510-260. <laughs>
0: Ding! You can win that van that Seton's going to be driving cross-country in. It's the ultimate DP show camping rig. Big sweepstakes and there he goes <laughs> go to danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com to enter over one hundred thousand have entered just to let you know people want this mercedes-benz sprinter van and why not it's got everything you need expect performance and reliability the mbux voice command system five-star dealer network and available with a gas engine danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com to enter by february 2nd your dream is waiting